0: Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with America's childhood nutrition expert, Jill Castle. As I was talking with Jill today about writing, she mentioned how writing is very special And it is a gift for us at Do Write. I couldn't agree with her more. As authors, we find inspiration at different times. And what is created out of that inspiration is something very meaningful. I feel that way about my book. And if you've ever read the book, I would love your feedback. You can always email me personally at annelizabethrd at gmail.com. Or if you're willing to put a review on Amazon, I would also very much appreciate that. I am very excited to share with you a new thing I love, and I actually have been loving it for a while now, but it's a newer company that I kind of came across known as Maku Health, and I've been using their products for my vitamins, minerals, and other entities that I add to my protein shake each morning. One of my favorite products is their kombucha. It's the most delicious kombucha I've ever had. And I greatly benefit from the probiotics in the drink, especially during this time of year when I need it for my immune system. I will be sharing more about Maku Health in my podcast and blog. For more information, go to Health M-O-C-U, health.com. My conversation today is with America's childhood nutrition expert and registered dietitian, Jill Castle. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege to listen to Jill provide a presentation to the iowa academy of nutrition and dietetics at our annual meeting since i currently do not practice in childhood nutrition i was interested in learning about how this area of practice has changed since i've kind of worked with pediatrics which was probably about 10 years ago so much of our thoughts beliefs and practices around food start as a child and childhood nutrition is more important than ever With the many different challenges of feeding children, Jill provides a multitude of resources for professionals and for families. She has always had a passion for pediatric nutrition and has published books on the topic as well as started her own podcast over the past year. I hope you enjoy my podcast and conversation with Jill as much as I did. So it's kind of mm. hard to figure out how to do that. Mm. And so I, you know, and I'm not a pediatric dietitian. So, yeah, it's not well, easy to get into pediatrics. Well, no, and I I've, I've kind of That's realized that. Yeah. And they, and like yeah, the education I don't think a
1: real and yeah, movement to correct that problem, really. Not that I know of. Yeah, I mean, maybe
0: there is, but because it's kind of like I feel like you fall into it a little bit that you don't mm-hmm. really you can't really set a path to directly go that direction. You mm-hmm. kind of have to Depending on where you're going.
1: Or if you're picking an internship that has a pediatric rotation, but a lot of, some of them have really dwindled that I don't even have that aspect anymore. Yeah. Huh.
0: Well, why don't we, your presentation was great today. I absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you. I like that, hearing that perspective of not talking about food, but more talking about feeding patterns. So yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah, there's
1: so many different lifestyle things that you can do have to focus on food and restriction and yeah. although that's the sort of the <laughs> the the gut reaction most people go towards. Yes. And
0: I th- I get a lot of patients that come to me and they're mm-hmm. like my kid won't eat and my kid won't do this and I'm like they're like I'm trying to put this in their plate and I'm like how about we just take a step back and mm-hmm. let's look at the environment. Yes. Let's look at what's going on at home and yeah. so I'm glad I'm doing the right thing. So yes. you confirm that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> why don't we go back to when you kind of thought you wanted to be a dietitian and your path that way
1: right so um, I didn't really think I wanted to be a dietitian until I was in my beginning of my junior year of college I actually was on the pre-med track and got weeded out with organic chemistry as many of us do yes yes and so my second semester of my sophomore year I decided I was just going to take an exploratory semester, which I should have done as a freshman. And now I have kids in college, and I encourage my girls to do
0: that too—to yes. take
1: an explore to, to explore your first semester if you can. Because I was doing it my second semester of my sophomore year, which sort of put me behind, sure. in terms of all the things I needed to be uh, doing for that for a nutrition credit. But I did take a nutrition one hundred and one course, and it was, you know. 300 kids in the course, 300 students at Indiana University. It was a huge course. It was, I don't want to say it was so easy for me, but it <laughs> but was it came pretty natural for It you. did come naturally, and uh, it was so interesting to me. And then my father, who also um, is very interested in nutrition and gardening, he had his own garden and mm. always very conscious about what he ate um, in a good balanced way said to me, you know, Jill, nutrition is the wave of the future, and you should really think about Going this into that. As, as a career path. I don't think you can go wrong. So that plus taking the course and really loving it kind of changed my trajectory. And so I did that. I had a lot of ground to make up in terms of made-up classes, but I ended up graduating a semester late, and uh, I had a girlfriend in Boston who I went out on spring break my junior year to spend spring break with her, and I fell in love with the city, and I was like, this is where I want to do my internship. (laughs) So I literally only applied to the internships in Boston. Yeah. I did one safety. I take that back. I did one safety. I think it was Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis, because I'm from Indiana, and uh, I did the Mass General internship, and I just... Fortunately, uh, they had a two-week rotation in pediatrics. I had a wonderful preceptor. I just fell in love with working with children. And I was also kind of scared, excited at the same time because it was a, it's a scary population when you're first it starting is. out. Um, and you see these newborns that are on life support or these children that are in the ICU have been, you know, post-surgery or in a traumatic accident, I mean, these kids are really, if they're in the hospital, they are really sick. Mm -hmm. And uh, nutrition is a critical component to their recovery. And I was just like, this is so challenging and scary, but (laughs) I, I love kids. I've always loved kids, and it was just like the perfect blend for me. So I literally... Declared that I was going to be a pediatric dietitian at the end of my internship, and they needed a dietitian. They did. At the time, and they offered me the job.
0: See, and that's a great message, too, for interns that if you are in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. So you started working then pretty much right after your internship. Yes, I
1: did. I did. And um, I ended up staying at Mass General for about four to four and a half years. Uh, and during that time, I did my graduate degree at night. So I was working full oh time gosh. during the day and now when you I were was so young. Busy. Yeah, when you had lots of energy. When I had a lot of energy and I was young. Um, and then I switched and I actually was recruit, kind of quietly recruited by Children's Hospital and they had an opening as a TPN dietitian. So I went and interviewed for that. Again, that same feeling of oh, this is really scary. This is a little over my head. I really have to step up my game. This is going to be a huge challenge. Um, And they offered me the job and I took it. And that actually, now that I think about it, is sort of the parable for my whole career. I get presented with these opportunities or I have this idea in my head and I'm like, oh, I can't do that. That's so scary. That's like just, oh, I don't really think I'm going to be able to do it. And then I'm like, nope, let's do it. And I put both feet in, and I just go for it. And you,
0: you're good. You're yeah. Just a, it's just a learning curve. It's a learning curve. Did you curve. have a lot of experience with TPN for pediatric patients before Very that? Very little. That scares
1: me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did have some, some experience. experience at Mass General, mm-hmm. but not with the intensity of what I was dealing with at Children's. I carried sure. a 20 to 25 caseload, all TPN, all ICU, for the most part, based, wow. and, um, that was my that was my job I rounded with the physicians in the morning I rounded before the physicians came in and then rounded with the physicians to report on every single case labs everything wow you, the orders oh, and got, then, so I was going to ask oh, you, did yeah. you have a good rapport with the physicians Great. they respected
0: you yes. and they asked you for what your recommendations were yep so you exactly. didn't have to do a lot of legwork to prove yourself to them. They were like on board with you when you came.
1: Well, they, there was definitely a learning curve and What's I was there? sort of the, under the guise of the more senior dietitian. Sure. But, I, you know, we dietitians were smart. We learn quickly and get in, fall into, you know, the routine. And then it was really learning the research, reading at night, making sure I understood um, what was going on. And any time I had a scenario with TPN or with a critical care child, I was always consulting my books and looking at the research and trying to make sure I was doing the latest and greatest sure. stuff. Um, so that commitment to always learning and, and knowing knowing the basics, but also looking for the newest information, I think is really key for our profession.
0: Do you think like pediatric nutrition in that aspect is something that you need to stay more on top of than... Not to say other nutrition isn't as important, but I feel like that one, there's probably so many different changes all the time.
1: There is. There is. And um, it's a huge gamut. That's the other thing. And that, this is what is so challenging with, in a good way with pediatric nutrition. You've got kids who are infants, then you've got the toddlers, then you've got the children, then you've got the teenagers. All those nutrient needs, developmental stages, they're all different. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, You have to know a lot about a lot. And then when you get into the disease-specific issues or the medical challenge issues, there's a lot of stuff um, that's happening. I mean, just in the last couple of years, we've seen so many uh, recommendations change for starting solids, for example. We're seeing a ton of research come out on ADHD and nutrition. Um, There's just a lot to keep up with. There is. Do you have, like certain sources that you always
0: kind of consult for those differences and changes
1: well I I go to the American Academy of Pediatrics as a resource quite a bit but I'm I'm a good old-fashioned I go to NCBI and I look for the hardcore research I want the I want the meat and (laughs) potatoes yep and um, that can be time-consuming uh I you do have quite dig yeah, you do have to mm. dig and, and sometimes, you know, they're case studies or they're just one off little pilot studies and you gotta sort of add that to the whole body of what you know about something and and interpret it. But it's uh, it helps me stay up to date on the things that I tend to think that I specialize in, which is feeding, or sports nutrition, or weight in Mm -hmm. children. Um, I used to do a lot with eating disorders. I don't do so much now, and now I spend more time doing uh, extreme picky eating, or what we call ARFID, Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really try to stay abreast of those. And then just general nutrition concepts, like picky eating, or um, just some of the stuff you know, dieting in teens. Some of the things that are more behavioral and developmentally based than anything else uh, and trying to stay up on that literature as well.
0: So how long did you work then um, as a pediatric intensive care dietitian?
1: So I was there for almost five years. I had my first baby when I was working there and then got pregnant with my second baby uh, and ended up, I was commuting into Boston. I was doing about a 45 to... One-hour commute into Boston, and that got to be a little bit of a hardship, um, particularly on the back end when I had to be back in my town at by five o'clock before the daycare center would close. Oh my gosh, I
0: can't imagine. I just
1: remember like driving down the highway, get out of my way! I knew I was gonna, I was, I'm gonna be late. She's gonna close the door. I'm gonna get fined. You know, it's just like so stressful. I think
0: that's a pretty common stress for a lot of moms, but when you have a long drive like that, yeah.
1: That's yeah. frustrating, yeah. So then for a brief bit of time, I uh, worked for UMass Medical Center, very brief, for about six months. Uh, and during that time, I started to have some, some minor difficulties during my pregnancy. Um, I had some high blood pressure. I was getting migraine headaches. And so my husband got a, a raise and a jo- new job position. And we were basically equal between what I was making and he was sure. making previously. We were actually equal. And so I just decided to re- semi-retire at that point mm-hmm. and um, proceeded to have two more children. So I have four children. You and are
0: a child expert, then, I ha- <laughs> for sure. You have four of your own. <laughs> well, I will tell you,
1: uh, there is nothing that prepares you in our education
0: for having your, for own, having children. your own
1: children. And there is nothing more humbling than feeding your own children, I in cannot my not I imagine, opinion.
0: yeah. Because it's a whole other ballgame, because you know the statistics of what I need to do for this patient, but then those aren't patients. Right. Those are your,
1: your offspring. <laughs> right, right. And there's so much temperament and personality and just the child that goes into it. And my first child, who was a wonderful young woman who's about to turn 21, oh. but she was very spirited and... I was consulting all the books on how to respond to her and yet how to guide her. It was challenging. Mm-hmm. I cut my teeth on a lot of what I know with my own children, feeding my own children.
0: Well, and that probably has set you up for just enhancing your own practice. Absolutely. with Working with other children, because that's what, how much time in between being super mom and feeding your own children did you kind of start thinking hey I want to do my own practice
1: yeah I started thinking about that when my youngest was born and he was probably two or three years of age and I started to see that I was very efficient with my home life like my laundry was washed and folded and put away I'm a little I'm a little you know I'm very (laughs) I can be type A but I'm also very organized and I'm a doer and I'm a completer so if I start something I'm going to complete it that's just my nature Mm -hmm. and I started to realize like what am I going to do when the kids go to school I'm going to have like this whole day and my laundry is going to be done by 10 and the house is going to be picked up. The beds will be made. Like, what am I going to do? And I was like, I just don't see myself as somebody who's going to just go hang out with the girlfriends for lunch to pass the time. I just didn't feel like, yeah, I didn't feel like that was going to be fulfilling for me. So then I started to consider and contemplate um, opening my own private practice. And I spent about a year learning how to do that. Uh, And again, I don't think I can, I'm so scared, sure. what if nobody shows up? And <laughs> do I have any clients? Yeah, yeah, how do I even do this? And I just gave myself a year to sort of research and learn and ask questions and lurk on the Nutrition Entrepreneurs mm-hmm. list serve, and learn from others. And then I just did it just went for it. I
0: just went for it. Did you specialize initially on pediatric was that Only always okay? Only okay. pediatrics. Only
1: pediatrics and that proved to be a, a great way to go about it for me because I just declared my niche right away and I've always been that way I don't try to help adults when they come and ask me for help I say I just don't I know what I know for myself but I am not I don't feel equipped to help adults and I just feel like I'm better when I stay in my lane and I want to bring the best of what I can bring to my clients Um, and so I think the only way I really can do that is to stay in my niche area
0: and I think that 's a good point to make I think a lot of dietitians think they need to do everything right, and we can 't do everything, so if there 's an area that you enjoy, like you kind of discovered, then that 's a great way to focus on something
1: yeah and i 'm sure I lost clients in the beginning i 'm sure I could have seen adults to build my practice faster, but i didn 't and uh, I did the slow growth, you know I remember I opened my practice in May, and I had my first client right before 4th of July. Okay. And, and it just, I, I really put myself out there with all the pediatricians, introduced myself. I was in Nashville. That's where I opened my first practice. And I introduced myself to all the pediatricians and just stayed in contact. I found ways to market myself to them. And I was responsive to them when they needed their- and They contacted you. Yeah. Or, yeah. Did
0: you do it out of your home, out of an office? I did it- at-
1: I did it out of my home initially for the mm-hmm. first 2 years and then my practice got too big to be in my home it was it was just kind of Overflowing into my home life, so then I <laughs> rented <laughs> space Yep, <laughs> rented space and ran my own practice out of a, a two office space and I ended up hiring a consulting dietitian to help with some of the caseload and wonderful mm-hmm.
0: obviously there's a huge need for pediatric patients in an outpatient tape setting
1: I think so I think there is, and uh, I think also that we just don't have enough pediatric dietitians mm-hmm. in our country in that venue in that outpatient setting that's not attached necessarily to an institution or a a hospital. And I think there is a a need and a desire from families to have that option. Well,
0: and I think that, like you said, there's so many different things that you need to learn about pediatric nutrition that we kind of talked earlier that there's no set like here, you're going to follow this pediatric path and kind of like you decided early on that you were going to do it and Mm -hmm. kind of fell in love with it. But what do you have for people that maybe, like recommendations for someone that maybe would want to go into pediatric nutrition? And where do you kind of start?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm not sure I really have the best answers. But from what I know, I think if if you think you want to work with children, try to find an internship that at least offers some rotation or exposure to pediatrics. Um, And if you can't, Just get a good solid nutrition base and you know starting out in WIC is wonderful because in a lot of ways you will see some of those common feeding and nutrition challenges that parents are dealing with day after day. Mm -hmm. In the hospital setting as a clinical pediatric dietitian you're going to see more trauma, more chronic medical conditions. WIC is going to give you that day to day practical experience. Any of the, you know, zero to three, WIC, early intervention, schools will get you exposed to working with kids. And uh, while you might not be interacting with them one-on-one, you can start to see how food plays out in their lives, how they make food choices, how their eating behavior. Um, And then, you know, anytime you can, if you have that interest, track your credits your CEUs towards that interest, you know, go to meetings that offer a pediatric track, go to pediatric nutrition specific meetings if you can, and just start to educate yourself in that area.
0: And I, I like that because I think we, we tend to just focus on that in our little bubble of nutrition world. And it's good to look all over the country for yes. like, those specialized nutrition, pediatric nutrition focused classes that do exist. They're all yes. over. Yeah. So how long have you been doing your practice then? Totally.
1: So I did my first practice in Nashville, and that was for about five years. Then we relocated to Connecticut. My husband works in Manhattan. And so when I first came to Connecticut, my first book had come out, Fearless Feeding, co-authored with Marianne Jacobson. So I was kind of riding the wave of, oh, you know, I don't need to open a practice. I'm just going to be a writer, be be an author. (laughs) And that came out in 2013. Six months later, I got a second book deal to write Eat Like a Champion. Which is your current book. Yeah, that's my most recent book. And that you know that took 6 months to write and it came out in 2015 so I kind of rode the wave of that but I honestly quickly realized that I wasn't making any money <laughs> and that really bothered important. me that really bothered me and so not that I'm like all money driven but I I firmly believe in being compensated for our worth and I was not feeling compensated for my worth. So and I was really missing working with families. So I decided to and backing up just a little bit, my pediatrician kept sending me people oh. to see. And I kept saying, well I don't have an official <laughs> office set up, you know, like I'm not yeah. registered with the state. I haven't registered an LLC. I don't I mean I'm not I really, can't really practice. I'm not legit yet. <laughs> but then um, I had a long conversation with my husband and he was like, what if you just did one day a week? That that way you can work with families and the pediatricians can get their patients seen and it can be a win-win on, on both sides. So that's what I do now. Every Monday I have my private practice open from 7 a.m. to about 6 p.m. I'm wow. pretty full All most day. Mondays. And um, I do that. And then the rest of my time I'm consulting or I'm Speaking. Speaking. Uh, I still write my blog every Wednesday, and I do my podcast every other Thursday. And then I have some contracts, consulting contracts, that I fulfill as well. So I stay really busy. It sounds like you have um, a good variety of I have things. a good variety, yeah. And I, I recently have been... Um, dabbling in some online education opportunities i created a course for parents called the kids healthy weight project and i created a live workshop for dietitians called food parenting food. pro and that was a lot of fun and then i've created a lot of little ebooks for parents to help them start solids to help their children try try new food some um, recipe
0: books I some recipe too, books
1: yeah for like breakfast and mm-hmm. things for their athletes yep and- so a lot of, I have like all these like little ideas that are for my business that I like to do. It's just the trick is balancing everything.
0: Do you ever feel overwhelmed by oh everything my that you're gosh. doing? Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. yes. There, there are times when I am like, I really need to streamline. <laughs> I need to let something go. And then, um, you know, then I kind of hit a quiet spot and I think... things are good. They're in balance. I I actually recently just hired some help. And that was really, I've all year been feeling like I am in overwhelm mode and just kind of putting out fires here. And and I don't like to work that way. I like to be like, oh, I got that done. I got that done. I got that done. I can relax a little bit and Mm -hmm. think about what I will, you know, the next thing I want to create. The problem with getting overwhelmed is your creativity goes out the window and you aren't really able to for me anyways, to create the things that I want to create. so
0: Because Hannah, it sounds like you have a very creative mind. Like you always kind of want to be reinventing something, not reinventing, but just kind of putting resources out there because you see a need and you see that there's something
1: that's yes. out there that people want. Yeah. And I think that's, I have a gift for being able to see what's missing for people and, and trying to create that for, for them. Um, but yeah, so I am... Um, yeah, I always have children, a little something. Lots How, of ideas.
0: And how's like home life, too? Is, it sounds like you try to balance it all very well. So you have your four children. What are their ages?
1: So my oldest is turning 21 in uh, over Columbus Day weekend. And my third one is turning 18 over Columbus oh Day goodness. weekend. Um, and they I, I,
0: I the same weekend? Yes. Yeah?
1: Two days apart. <laughs> three years and two days apart. So I have a t- almost 21 a 19-year-old, almost 18, and almost 16-year-old son. Oh, wow. So the two younger ones are at home. They're in high school. And my two older ones are in college.
0: You're a proud mama. I can I tell you guys should see the smile on her oh, face because she's very proud of her they're, children.
1: They're great kids, and um, they all seem, you know, knock on wood. They all seem <laughs> to have a healthy relationship with food. They all seem to know how to balance eating with enjoyment and... They all exercise in a moderate healthful way they get enough sleep I just feel like they are well equipped to move through life and moderate moderate themselves moderate their health and and the way they engage with the world which is truly you know my uh, I'm truly grateful I feel like I if, if I've done anything I've I've practiced what I preach and created created what I I know to be possible to create and it works Mm -hmm. and it starts when they're children yes that's
0: what I think a lot of people you can't change a lot when they're 16 and 17 but if you
1: catch them early
0: yeah then that's kind of what you need It might take some hard work though and you have all the resources for it so people should really tap into that
1: yeah yeah, It is a lot of hard work. It's not easy to raise <laughs> healthy kids today. No way. There's a lot of information and education and knowledge and confidence and charting your own path. And it's, it's not easy.
0: Well, I think about, too, when I was, when I was you know, 10 or 12 years old, a diet. I didn't even know what a diet was. And now I just think everyone that's that age knows what a I know. diet, quote, diet is. And it's kind of sad. It is sad. It's like you kind of lose your, your youth because yeah. of adult food things.
1: Yeah. I oftentimes will reflect back on the way my parents raised me. I was raised in the Midwest. We ate meat and potatoes, mm-hmm. lots of vegetables from the garden, fruit, you know, desserts were fair play, although we didn't have a lot of desserts in my mm-hmm. home. And that was probably something that I struggle with as an adult now is like, I'm more of that scarcity, yeah. Yeah. the <laughs> scarcity that was built in as a child rears its ugly head a little bit later on in adulthood, but um we never talked about what we ate. My parents never harped on us for whether we were eating enough or what choices we were making. There was no discussion about food. And that, I think, was very powerful for all of us. And I tell a lot of my own clients now, there's one thing I don't want you to do, and I don't want you to talk about food at the table. I don't. You don't need to educate your child about food and nutrition while they're eating. Just talk about anything else but that feels like pressure
0: right when you're in the moment of
1: doing it yeah yes yeah Yeah. it should be
0: about so many other things just even being together
1: yeah but my parents did a great job of modeling balance and sort of that all foods fit and that enjoyment my mother used to sit at the table for an hour at dinner and just take her time eating her meal and enjoy it and have conversation and just the modeling of all of that. And then the lack of judgment mm-hmm. about eating, I think was a very powerful combination for, for myself and my siblings. Sure. And then you're kind of passing it
0: on to your own children too. Yeah. And it's yeah. never too late to, to start never. making that a priority. I think never too late. No, well, that's great. I, it's a, I kind of grew up in the same situation in that small town, you know, dinner was everything and we didn't have fast food or, you know, fast food was, you know, an hour away from our house. So mm-hmm. we didn't run to McDonald's or anywhere and get food. It was, we cook, we eat together. Mm-hmm. No one answers phone calls. No one watches TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's <laughs> a good message too. Yeah. So when you think about your practice and all the things that you're doing, because you are doing so many different things, is there one thing that you love the most? Is it working with clients? Is it writing, speaking?
1: Gosh. All of it? I do love all of it. Yeah, you? Yeah. I'm well, def- you wouldn't do it otherwise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to say that. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love doing it. I'm definitely a proponent of you should be having fun when you're working. You should enjoy it. And yes, the stress comes up. It just does. You can't control the world. But... If you can just always tap into the fun and the joy of what you're doing and make sure that that's sort of always there, Uh, I think that's really important. I think that juices you up for future work.
0: And do you you think about writing a book? Like you said, you don't make a lot of money doing that. Mm -mm. Do you do it because you just want to provide resources for people that, that there's this need for? Is it more about that for you?
1: I think, yeah, there's this, there's a desire to fulfill a gap, to close a gap. And that's sort of a theme in, in a lot of the work that I do. Um, I want to close the gap of lack of education that parents have. So I do that by speaking. I do that for professionals by speaking. I do that for, by um, creating little eBooks or running workshops. I want, I want parents to be able to be well equipped to raise their kids because I kind of see children not as the victim but children are sort of the innocent byproducts of what their parents do and I also recognize that we as a society do a terrible job in preparing parents for the job of feeding and growing children and so I have a lot of compassion for parents and um, that motivates a lot of what I create in my blog posts, on the podcast, on the books that I create. Um, It's nice to be rewarded financially. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you the books that I sell online are far more profitable than the books that I've written for a publisher. Um, But that being said,
0: you're still glad it's out there. I'm glad it's out there. It needs to be out there because you want it to be out there. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. there's a
1: message that, that I'm responsible for delivering. I feel that, pretty strongly
0: and everyone can find all of your information on your website which is
1: jillcastle.com
0: and her podcast is great and you're thank you you're speaking here in iowa today and you're headed to is it danbury
1: yes i have a thursday danbury connecticut i have a tedx talk
0: that is so... Have you ever done one before? No.
1: Oh. <laughs> it's another one of those, I'm scared and excited. It's a whole different style of speaking. Sure. So, so you've been all,
0: probably practicing for quite a while.
1: Oh, yes. I yes. wake up and I've got the words <laughs> flying through my head and I'm terrified I'm going to forget a line. But it will be
0: great. Is it going to be live streamed on? It will be live yes. streamed. And Actually, just it on your website? Yes.
1: I'm going to post... Uh, I'll post a link to my Facebook page, oh. The Nurse Child, okay. and my personal page.
0: And I'll include the links to your... Um, information yeah. and everything on, on the podcast. So
1: yeah, yeah, That's and they'll they'll record it too, and I'll sure. pop it up later. How did the, do you mind me asking? How that opportunity
0: arose for you? I pitched. Awesome. You have
1: um, either with TED, you're invited. Generally mm-hmm. with TEDx, which are regional um, TED talks, you are you can you pitch.
0: See, you just they, jumped right in. You're like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, you know, I was
1: heavily encouraged to do it, and I had written out my talk. I had it. And so you had it in,
0: already kind of figured it
1: out. I wasn't, yes. And, and I was accepted right away. And I really look at that and I think, wow, you know, I had the talk written, I pitched. It was like, it was like all decided like in a week or 10 days. And I think if I hadn't had the talk written, I might have been freaking out the pressure mm-hmm. of writing something and then memorizing it because it's an 18, it has to be under mm-hmm. 18 minutes, so... But, you know, sometimes the stars align. That's and true. And when it happens, it's like, I'm meant to do this. And you're hopefully I won't mess it up. You're going
0: to do fantastic. <laughs> I think that's great. And I think that's a, I think it's, you're a great role model for dietitians, too, that, that possibilities are endless. And not yes. to be scared to, to do something, to start a business, to write a book, to do a podcast, to mm-hmm. um, do anything that you want to do because they're... Those are what's setting the ways for other dietitians
1: to, to do those as well. Yeah, I think it's a, in a lot of ways, it's a mind shift. It's how can I do this, not, you know, how can't I do this? Yes, or yes. it's It's really, there's so many opportunities out there.
0: Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your podcast or just talk about your sure. podcast. Since I'm podcasting, I want to yeah. explain your podcast.
1: Yeah, so mine is called The Nourished Child, and that's the name of my blog also. And it is just over a year old. And it's all about childhood nutrition, feeding kids and dealing with the ups and downs of nourishing them in today's world. So there's a wide range of topics. Uh, in September, I did a Sports Nutrition Month. So I interviewed Nancy Clark most recently. I also interviewed uh, Dan Walsh, who is a two-time Olympian and a rowing coach. So it was he fun was so to... so interesting. It's so fun to get his perspective and... Um, you know, sometimes you have guests on, you have no idea what they're going to say. So mm-hmm. I was like, he better not talk about supplements. <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> um, but he he's great. And um, I've had Donna Martin on for School Nutrition. Sure. Um, she's the president of our academy right now. I've had um, Mary Ann Jacobson when she came out with her new book, How to Raise a Mindful Eater. I've had so many... Different dietitians on. I am looking for guests that are non dietitians too mm-hmm. because I want a balance of um, thought leaders on the podcast. And then I intersperse that with um, monologue podcasts. So I'll talk just by myself about a particular topic and try to cover um, try to cover it as broadly as i can but it it is challenging with a podcast to cover every facet of a topic it's it's really much better i find if you break down one little aspect and really go in deep um so i mean i'm not i'm not a pro at podcasting by any means but i'm figuring it out and you know you change as you move oh, forward yeah. you figure out oh this works great and you're like oh this doesn't work so good mm-hmm. and I just ended up getting some help with with the editing I've been doing all the editing and oh geez everything from start to finish <laughs> for a year so oh my gosh good I do know how you. to do all of that but um now I'm like well that's another one of those things I need help with and uh, I just need to just pass it on yes
0: yeah, yeah time is our biggest currency that's exactly. what I say to everybody so you just have to know when to say
1: when exactly <laughs> Exactly. <laughs>
0: well, your podcast is very in- and I, you know, I don't work with pediatrics a lot, very rarely, but I do work with like school kids, and I think there's a lot that even just to educate myself on my godchildren or like if mm-hmm. I have, you know, my neighbor kids, I'm going to give them something or what they're doing. So I appreciate yeah. learning just about things I never gave a second thought to. So. Yeah. And your voice is so smooth. It's like so soothing on your
1: podcast. Really? Yes. (laughs) I just kind of like get all relaxed and I listen to it. Oh, that's so funny. I've heard that actually. Other people have said that about me too.
0: You're just like so relaxing to listen to. So. You're doing a great job. Thank you.
1: Appreciate that, especially from a fellow podcaster.
0: <laughs> Who's only doing about the same amount of time as you, so we're both kind of learning our ways on our own.
1: It's such a fascinating um, vehicle for information sharing, though.
0: Do you like, did you listen to podcasts before?
1: Maybe for about a year a and bit. only business podcasts. I was really, and I still do, just listen to business-based podcasts because... Um, you know, that's an area that I wasn't educated in and mm-hmm. lacking in. And I feel like it really helps me um, run the podcast, run my online business. It gives me new ideas for how to market uh, to people. So I do listen to podcasts, but they tend to be very marketing, business, podcasting specific. So sure. helping me personally with my own business. Do you have a favorite that you like? I love Amy Porterfield, I love Smart Passive Income. I love Darren Rouse of Pro Blogger. Um, Those three are always on my podcast. I do not miss those shows. And um, I listen to Food Blogger also, Mm -hmm. Food Blogger Pro. Mm -hmm. Um, And I listen to the Audacity to Podcast. And that's about all I have time for. I know, there's so (laughs) many.
0: You could listen to podcasts all day and find a new one every hour if you wanted to.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. And I'm sure there are many great ones out there that I just haven't tapped into yet, but again, my bat my bandwidth yes. is kind of limited. You gotta stay focused. <laughs> yes. But on an airplane, I love listening oh, to my podcasts. Sure. I catch up with a lot of them then. When you're traveling mm-hmm. and you just put your
0: headphones in and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I find what, you know, is so interesting, like I have all of a sudden which is a sign for me that maybe more and more people are learning about the show. I'm having a lot of people contact me by email and really? ask me questions or give me comments about, you know, what they liked about the show. Sometimes what they didn't like sure. about the show. <laughs> um, that's all fair, mm-hmm. um, but it is fun to get feedback because podcasting's a lonely venue. It is. You well, don't have so, no is private, yeah, so is a private. Yeah. yeah, you don't know who's listening and. <laughs> whether people like it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's nice to get feedback.
0: It would be similar to private practice, though, too. You know, you don't know what people think of you sitting out there all alone in your private practice.
1: True. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty pretty much true for any sort of solopreneur. Sure. Um, A
0: solopreneur, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, is there anything else that you want to share with my guests about pediatric nutrition or just kind of having your own business or being a dietitian?
1: Yeah, I would, well, I have a lot of thoughts, but I would say for those who might be interested in pursuing pediatric nutrition, don't like figure out all the different excuses why you can't do it. Just move forward. And I think, you know, there's a lot of room and there's a lot of um, opportunity there. I think there are a lot of families in our country that need help, um, and you know having an expertise in pediatric nutrition, I think is an advantage because there's just so much to learn, and if you can learn that and really showcase that information in a practical way to your families that that can just really help people so so very much. And for our profession, I would just even just repeat what I said in my con- in my um talk earlier was that you know we we all have a different um area of expertise we all have different opinions about nutrition and food and and feeding and and we all have value we all have value we all have something to add to the conversation and so to be unified collectively as a voice of reasonableness and of power and of integrity um to help the rest of our country, be it children or adults or anybody in between, that you know, we we have a powerful voice and we are respected. I believe in our nation. We just need to step into it.
0: I mean, need to keep keep stepping and keep tooting our own horns. I think and just get in there and be like, yes, I know, I know what I'm talking about. Yep, <laughs> yep.
1: Because there are a lot of challengers out there. Oh, for sure. And sure. that can scare a lot of people away from stepping into their truth and not being afraid to say it. Um, but there's also a balance of saying it so that it's meaningful and being heard.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you. You're That's welcome. Great advice and wisdom. And I have some fun questions for you. Oh, we okay. had all these serious questions. Okay, good. Uh, what is your favorite food? Oh gosh.
1: Oh I have so many favorite foods. Do you? That's okay. I do, I really do. I love a great steak. I love a good salad. I love avocado toast. I love yogurt. <laughs> I like granola, fruit. I like everything. I like everything. I really do. I Do you I'm- like to cook a lot? I do like to cook, but not a lot. Not a lot. I like that. I like to cook, but not a lot. That
0: would be me too.
1: Well, I, you know, I having four kids and I literally cooked every meal up until they started going to college and it was like, whoo, I can, I I can let off the gas a little bit here. I don't have to do every single meal. And so, um, I do enjoy cooking, but I'll tell you if I've got clients till six o'clock on a Monday, I am wiped emotionally drained. I do not, don't want to cook. Don't blame you. (laughs) Um, I enjoy it on the weekends when things are a little bit more relaxed. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy it when my husband's not traveling because there's co-partnership in it. Um, Makes a difference. But I do like to cook. And I think I'm a pretty good cook. I'm more of an experimenting cook. You like to be...
0: Experience free form, in the kitchen. That's yes, good. free form. That's good. So, you're not a big baker, then,
1: not a big baker. <laughs> That's <Nope>. okay. <laughs> My mother wasn't either. I but I like to cook because you can throw all yes. kinds of things, and it and doesn't you can figure it out if it gets yes. screwed up, you can add something to it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Do you have a favorite drink
1: or beverage? Probably water is the thing I drink the most, and then coffee. And to be honest, a good gin and tonic. <laughs>
0: Yum! That's refreshing, <laughs> especially after a day until you work at six till yeah. six o'clock in the evening. Yeah,
1: I wish I knew, I wish I drank more milk, but I wasn't a milk lover growing up, and so I don't drink a lot of milk. Mm-hmm. Um, I eat a lot of cheese, and I eat a lot of yogurt. So you're
0: making up for your yeah, calcium needs. I not
1: never, hardly ever drink juice. Um, just not appealing to mm-hmm. me, unless it's V8 juice. That's probably my favorite juice. I am mm-hmm. too. Um, and my husband loves it, so he stocks it. So it's always there. Um, and then um, I used to, when the kids were littler, I used to drink a lot of Diet Coke. Gave that up. Yep, I gave that up mm, several, 10, 12 years ago. Oh, a while ago then. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, so it really, it's it's, it's water coffee in the morning I have a cup of tea in the afternoon Mm -hmm. Um, water with dinner or sometimes seltzer flavored seltzer and then
0: been a fun thing that's came
1: out lately yeah yeah do you have a favorite smell Ooh, probably lavender and citrus Mm. I like both of those and I love the smell of rosemary Oh, I do too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, just, it's interesting how you just rub it in your fingers. Yes. And it's just, yeah. I love that smell. It smells really good. Yeah. And it then tastes I have really good. A, what is the favorite perfume I use? Oh, it's a French perfume. You can't even get it in the United States anymore. But I love the smell of that. I'll have you to send you that. You will. <laughs> You'll
0: have to send me what that is. I'm intrigued.
1: <laughs> yes, it's by Guerlain, Insolence. Ooh, Insolence. That yeah, that's a great deep. smell. <laughs> yeah, that's a good smell.
0: What brings you joy in life?
1: Oh, I think children bring me a lot of joy. My own and other kids. I just am so delighted by them. They tickle me. Like I just, the way they act and the things they say, and they're pure and innocent, not mm. manipulative, and they're funny. I just, I get a lot of joy out of children. Um, I'm a little young to be a grandmother, but I honestly cannot wait to be a grandmother (laughs) because I get my hands on young children again. Yes. Um, I love to play golf, so when I'm playing well, that brings me great joy. (laughs) (laughs) I like to run, although my body is getting a little intolerant of running too much, so Mm -hmm. I have to kind of keep that in check. I like to move, I like, you know, to to run or walk or row or bike. I like I like being active. Mm-hmm. It brings me a lot of joy and it actually helps me a lot with my mentality. It keeps me positive and helps me manage my stress. I have a tendency to be get a little stressed out and sure. so if I have exercise my routine going, I have less of a tendency to get overwhelmed and Stressed out about stuff.
0: Yeah, it really is.
1: I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I would say is being in my home. I I get out a lot, and people see me a lot, and they probably think I'm an extrovert, and I am. I've learned how to be an extrovert, but my happy place is in my home. home. Uh, In front of the fireplace, sitting on my leather couch, curled up.
0: That sounds great. You're that, gonna be, It's getting to be that time of year where there's going to be lots of curling up. <laughs> I know. I know.
1: I know. That well, really refuels me. So, well, okay. Well, thank you
0: so much for taking time out of her very busy day. She's going to catch a flight and off you go. Now you're going. Are you going somewhere else in between?
1: No, I'm going right back to Connecticut, okay. and I'll do the yeah, because the TEDx a couple of days. on Thursday yes, night. yes. Yep.
0: Well, and then
1: I'm. Ohio at the end of the month. Ohio. Okay, Mm -hmm. I knew you were going
0: somewhere else by your podcast. So,
1: yeah. Well, thank you so much for today. You are very welcome. Thanks for having me on your show. It was so interesting to listen
0: to Jill's story and her passion for pediatric nutrition. I know she's an amazing mom, I can just tell. And her podcast is great to listen to, not only because her voice is so calming but it also provides a wealth of information for the listeners. I'm also looking forward to watching her TEDx talk. And if you have a passion for pediatric nutrition, please reach out to Jill and make sure to check out her website for the endless amounts of information she has for parents and professionals. Nick Sticks is something else that I absolutely love that I wanted to share with you and my podcast guests. They are the best-tasting snack sticks you can find on the market, I swear. They're so delicious. No MSG, no nitrates, no antibiotics, no hormones, no sugar, no red dye, and no gluten. All the goodness, none of the garbage. So to learn more, go to NickSticks.com. Head on over to AnneElizabethArty.com, where you can read my latest weekly wisdom blog post, and I share my current crazy adventures with food, music, that I'm trying to really get buffed to a really delicious and real deal recipe that I'm whipping up in my kitchen or something else that I love right now. You can also purchase my book and you can find all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all of my conversations with these awesome people. Make sure to connect with me on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at AnnElizabethRV. And remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.